Hello, funky listeners, and welcome to another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle. Hello, Kyle, and welcome to Funk Radio. This is your host, Peter. And welcome to my house. Won't you be my neighbor? Today we're going to be talking about something that I stumbled upon when I was doing research for a potentially different topic of Funk Radio, which may or may not be a future topic. I stumbled upon this event called the Sony DRM scandal of 2006. And so I was like, well, this is interesting. I've never heard of this. And I was alive in 2006. Hey, me too. I know, right? So there's a lot of technical stuff in here, but I'm just going to lay the groundwork foundation. I guess first things first, let's define what DRM is. Uh, DRM stands for Digital Rights Management, and it's a way, it's a set of access control technologies that are used to restrict proprietary hardware and copyrighted works. Uh, what that means in non-legalese is companies that output creative works like movies or music or video games will apply restrictions on what you can do with those works digitally. Yeah, I mean, the in layman's terms, exactly. It's like... Uh... Anything that pre- digitally prevents you from, like, sharing your music or, you know, r- ripping a DVD and sharing it with your friends. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> video games, it's a big thing, too. Yeah, video games, it's still a real big, really big thing, which we'll get a little bit into towards the end. Uh, cool. This particular thing is mostly uh, regarding music, since we're kind of a music podcast. So, just kind of laying the groundwork before you get into the nitty-gritty. So imagine it's 2005, 2004, 2005. You go into your local Tower Records, which is no longer around, and you buy a CD. And you say, give me music, guy. Yeah. He says, okay. <laughs> and, he, and he hands you a, an original CD pressing of Mr. T's Commandments. Yes, the original CD. It was an original CD pressing. <laughs> uh yeah. So you go in there to buy Mr. T's Commandments on CD um, in 2006, and then you go home, and you're like, dude, I want to listen to this on my computer, because, I don't know, people back then, you know, listened to CDs on their computer, and most computers had CD drives, which well, maybe you, don't it was it was 2006, maybe you wanted to put it on your newfangled iPhone, you know? That too. So, yeah, you pop it into your computer, and you go to listen to it. And then while that disc is playing, without your knowledge or consent, a program is being installed on your computer. And what that program does is it secretly checks whether the you, the person, started any sort of program that allows you to rip CDs. And if so, it forces that program to stop. Simultaneously, while it installs those sort of background programs, it... Also, slows down your computer and opens other security holes that can be used by others to attack your computer. Hmm. Now, if this sounds really shitty, this actually happened to almost half a million people 15 years ago because of Sony. Sony installed this proprietary DRM program on over 25 million music CDs that they Hmm. distributed. This software was developed by a British company called First Four Internet, and they sold it as a DRM scheme. 
uh, for compact discs, aka CDs. And this software was in, installed on some CDs that were distributed by Sony BMG, which is their m- music management division. Mm-hmm. And it, this whole thing sparked what was called the 2005 Sony BMG CD copy protection scandal. Known in the shorthand as Sony shits. Yes, known as, in shorthand as Sony shit the bed. And it came to be known later on as the Sony Rootkit, and we'll kind of get into what a Rootkit is later. It's not good. Hmm. So I, I kind of defined it earlier, digital rights management. It's different ways that, you know, distributors can kind of lock down their content, even though you're, they're selling it to you, so that you can't redistribute it yourself. Um, it's kind of like um, back in the VHS day. I mean, I guess they still do it on DVDs, but like in the VHS days at the beginning where they're like, hey, FBI warning. Yeah. Don't distribute this. We have exactly. no way of stopping you, but don't do it. Exactly. But now in the digital age, Sony and other companies as well found a way to enforce it, basically. That's a that's a thing I just I just now thought of. Was Could you rip movies from VHS tapes and put them onto blank VHS tapes? There's probably like a thing that does that, right? Yeah, I think if you have two VCRs, you can do that. Oh, no shit. I thought you had to have like some special one that has like two decks or something. I am sure they sold those too. Um. Hmm. So the way that this whole um, DRM scandal with Sony was actually first uncovered was it was first sort of discovered in uh, Halloween of 2005, actually. So good timing. It was spooky. Spooky. And this security expert, Mark Rasanovich, published this discovery on his blog that he found that a piece of spyware known as a rootkit uh, had secretly installed itself on his computer. He concluded that the rootkit was basically connected to this uh, proprietary uh, music player that was included with Sony Music CDs. Oh, so was it installing a music player as well? It was installing a music player that people knew, like, could access or whatever when they when they played their music on the CD, but simultaneously it was installing pro- other programs in the background that was keeping you from ripping that music using any other program. It, was that the only way you could play it, was through this Sony thing that it downloaded? You stop asking questions, I don't know the answers to Peter. No, hold on, let me research. Uh, I do remember back, while you're looking that up, I do remember yeah. back... Um, when like even downloading MP3s was a pain in the butt because it had to like before you could even play the file, it had to like verify whether your computer was allowed to play it, and if it couldn't find that thing, even though you are allowed to play it, then it wouldn't play. So like if you didn't keep your I don't remember what they called it, but it's like if you didn't keep your DRM shits up to date for more than you know a year or two, then it would just stop working. Oh, wow. Which obviously doesn't happen now, which is great, but that's just another example. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not not seeing anything regarding um, the Sony proprietary playing thing of whether you're forced to use that or if Mm -hmm. that's just a way to kind of entice people into putting the CD into their uh, computer as opposed to just playing it through a normal CD player. Got it. So, yeah, this this Mark Rosanovich guy discovered this sort of rootkit, you know, backdoor installation thing that Sony was doing, 
Uh, and after he posted it on his blog, it kind of spread, you know, around the internet and people were like, holy shit. The problem with rootkits, and I guess what a rootkit is, is a malicious collection, uh, a rootkit is a malicious collection of computer software designed to enable access to a computer or an area of it that's not otherwise allowed. So... Basically, it installs things in the background of your computer that allows other people, hackers or whatever, to more easily access it without ever really making you aware of that, like a backdoor entrance, so to speak. Mm -hmm. That's basically why this became a big deal as opposed to just the normal, you know, DRM crap that people were dealing with in the mid-2000s was that this program on top of basically keeping people from actually ripping music was basically creating insecurities in people's computers that made them more vulnerable to hackers. And Mm. you don't exactly want a thing that you've legally purchased to basically screw up your computer without even your knowledge. So yeah, this, this started to become kind of a big deal for Sony. And once it finally reached to the point that, you know, news stations and stuff were reporting on this, articles were reporting on this, Sony basically kind of uh, botched its response. First, it basically claimed that it was unintentional, the whole rootkit issue. And I guess at, when people dug further into this, one of the programs that was installed on people's computers, even if the user refused what it's called its end user license agreement, mm-hmm. uh, so even if people would refuse that and not actually officially install the program, uh that being, I think, the the, the program being the uh, Sony Music Player, mm-hmm. um, the legit one that people know that is being installed, uh, that program would still phone home with reports of users' private listening habits. So it would literally spy on people, even if they didn't huh. fully install it. So Well, that's people sketchy. Did, people didn't like that either. So yeah, basically, everything bad <laughs> that could happen from this with regards to Sony basically did. It was installing malicious programs on people's computers that were opening backdoor pathways for hackers. Uh, The legit programs it was attempting to install were basically spying on people, uh, because that never happens anymore, cough, were basically (laughs) spying on people to, you know, see their listening habits or whatever, what music they played uh on their computer even outside of the program you know through say itunes or windows media player or other cds that they played in their computer oh man remember windows media player i know uh, that's 2006 right there dude i still have windows media player it still comes with windows i just don't use it (laughs) so so yeah this this little bug we'll call it basically became a pretty big deal because not only was this installed onto uh, 25 million CDs, they found that it ended up infecting more than 550,000 networks in more than 100 Oof. countries, including U.S. military and defense networks. Damn. So, yeah, the fact that buying a CD can end up basically giving hack- hackers easy access to your computer kind of is going to eventually piss the government off if they find out. Hmm. So, Sony basically kind of screwed up their whole response to this. Initially, they denied that the rootkits that were infecting people's computers were harmful at all. Apparently, uh, at the time, one of their 
PR guys, Thomas Hess, actually said, quote, Most people don't even know what a rootkit is, so why should they care about it? Oof. Yeah. Yikes. That's a big yikes for me and you. Um, yeah. Basically, it's the it's too complicated for people underst- to understand, so why should they care? Hmm. That's so bad. So, eventually, Sony did recall their CDs. They ish- had to reissue rootkit removal tools, and they ended up settling lawsuits with a number of different states and the Federal Trade Commission. Dang, dude. So, yeah, they got hosed. This was not good. That could not have been worth it for them. Not at all. And that's, yeah, that and that's kind of the, we'll get to that in a bit. That's kind of the point of this. It's just like, you know, does the ends really justify the means here? They probably lost. Well, not if they got four, caught, I guess. They lost so much more money from these lawsuits than they probably would have really even lost if people just were allowed to rip their music. Oh, you I know. know. So. To make things even worse, when they released these, um, I guess, fixes for these some of these uh, malicious programs, uh, one of the pro- one of the uninstallers actually all it did was unhide the program, but then it, it <laughs> installed additional software <laughs> that could not easily be removed, collected an email address from the user, and introduced further security vulnerabilities. So one of their fixes, dang dude, one of their fixes to uninstall these malicious programs installed its own malicious program. That's crazy, dude. Right? That's pretty ballsy on their part. I don't even know what they were thinking, or if they just have like really, really bad tech people. But it's funny because I, after reading this, like a lot of the um, stuff I was reading around it was basically like you know. This is why people don't like Sony, and this is why hackers don't mm. like Sony. And remember, twenty twelve or twenty thirteen, when the PlayStation Network got like massively hacked, and a bunch of people's shit got exposed. Mm, that sounds vaguely familiar. A lot of people said that that was partially in retaliation to this by hackers, as like a screw you to Sony. Oh really? Yeah. Oh dang. Because this this whole thing coming out, you know, for people that were, you know, hackers themselves or at least, you know, aware of computer security issues basically made them not like Sony because, you know, it made not only their computer but a lot of computers more vulnerable to hacking, which unless you're a bad person, the you know, a lot of people that are good hackers are are more security experts because they want to, you know, help prevent people from being hacked i guess right it's like if you know how to do it you know how to prevent it kind of thing i guess so yeah this kind of soured sony a lot in the eyes of a lot of like i guess what you would call like tech people it people whatever and i don't think their uh reputation really recovered but yeah so because of all this issues and because of them botching the fix surprise surprise a number of uh, lawsuits were brought against Sony throughout 2005, and they were actually consolidated into a class action lawsuit by the uh, state of New York in December of that year. As a result of that lawsuit, which, surprise, Sony lost, they agreed to immediately recall all affected CDs and replace them with CDs that did not contain rootkit software. They also agreed to allow those that purchased the protected CDs to apply for either a cash payment of 750 
plus a free album download, or three free album downloads. So they ended up basically giving away free album downloads to fix their error, where they were trying to prevent people from freely downloading albums. This is so weird. I mean, right? I'm glad that Sony lost that lawsuit, because, you know, in some of these big company scandals, you can never be too sure. So that's good, but... I just think it's funny. It's like, ooh, seven fifty, yay! I mean, seven fifty is not even the cost of a full CD. Yeah, I was, even in two thousand five, like CDs had to at least be around ten bucks then, right? That's yeah, why we I think so. That's why we go to the five dollar bargain bins. Hell yeah! I missed that. That was fun. Do you still do that <laughs> or no? No, I haven't done that in a long time. I haven't seen a CD in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, shit. When's the last time I actually bought a CD? Because, yeah, the, the funny thing was we would buy those CDs and then rip them. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that was for literally, sure. literally the point. So, yeah, basically, you know, they had like a paltry kind of payout for this. Um, I'm sure with the number of people in the lawsuit, you know, 750 times half a million people or probably more, probably ended up being a good chunk of change uh, for Sony. Yeah. But, um, yeah, even after they were enforced to... Um, you know, basically recall all of these CDs. They only ended up actually recalling about 10% of them. Hmm. They suspended their copy protection efforts in 2007, unsurprisingly, but... Oh, like completely? Mm-hmm. Huh. There's still CDs floating out there in the ether, in garage sales, and dollar bargain bins that could install terrible shit on your computer. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, shit. there's... I mean, if... You know, I'm sure people, a lot of people chucked them or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but since it said they only ended up recalling 10%, uh, that's still a lot better out there. That's the spoopy, uh, spoopiness of this. Is. <laughs> is that why we're doing it in October? Yes. There's, there's, malici- there's malicious CDs from 15 years ago that are going to infect your computer. Woo. <laughs> Nobody cares. Too spoopy for me. Yeah. I was going to say, in this day and age of like you know, privacy and, like, complete lack of privacy on the internet. I'm sure people are just like, oh, they they uh, listen to my, you know, music habits. That's so quaint. <laughs> <laughs> so, last little thing I want to mention before we kind of get into the philosophical discussion of is DRM good is around this same time I found out that Bill Gates uh, was, spoke at CES, which is the Consumer Electronics something. Show. Thank you. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm smart. <laughs> he was speaking uh, at the Consumer Electronics Show in 2006, and someone mm. had brought up uh, DRM. And he basically was quoted in that interview as saying, quote, DRM is not where it should be and causes legitimate problems for legitimate consumers while trying to distinguish between legitimate and illegitimate users. He went on to basically trash music DRM and basically say, like, you know, just just rip the music off the CD. What's the big deal? Yeah. But, yeah, even back in 2006, the head of Microsoft, the biggest technology company on Earth at that point, was basically saying, like, you know, DRM is kind of making more problems than it's solving, and it's not really, like, doing what it should be, and it's kind of punishing, you know, legitimate purchasers in order to try to prevent, you know, illegitimate, like, piraters, I guess. 
Well, that's the argument I've always, I mean, and I know we'll get more into like philosophical stuff, but I, that's the argument I've always heard. And just the opinion I've had myself too about DRM is that it really causes more issues and it's almost worth for people who legitimately paid for your product. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, I've never heard of the whole um, Sony scandal, Sony scandal with all the uh, software shits. That's yeah. Neither have I. That's why. That's why as I dug into this, I was just like, wow, this is apparently a really big thing. And how did I not hear about this? Hmm. Hopefully I never played a Sony CD in my computer back then. Who knows? I probably screwed up my computer so much because I was like 16 and had no idea. But yeah, I mean, the, the sad thing is that like DRM really hasn't gone away. It's just just they found more sophisticated ways of screwing you. Uh, hmm. One of the... Later examples I remember that was a big deal in video games was, I think it was the last, it was either the, yeah, it was the last SimCity game that they came out with. Uh, they basically tried to do this crap where you have to always be connected online to play the game, even if you're playing single player. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. And a handful of games started trying this as a way to basically pretend, uh, prevent piracy, I guess, is force people to always be connected to the internet in order to basically even play the Verify game. Verify that your account is legally. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Even if it's just the single player, you know, just you kind of game and you're not playing with other people, obviously. Yeah. And that basically pissed a lot of people off because they're like, you know... Sometimes I have my computer and I don't have access to internet, but I still want to play the game. Or I want to play a game without being tracked the whole time. Touche. If you are into that privacy kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it's not just the music industry. It's, you know, music, it's movies, it's video games. They all are constantly trying these different ways to basically make it so that the thing that you legally bought and should own, you don't actually own. In full. Technically, since they still own that intellectual property, you know, you could say that DRM in some form isn't necessarily wrong. I think that companies, as you know, especially Sony, have always kind mm. of approached it in the wrong way. Um, I don't necessarily know what the right way would be, but I think even ignoring all like the vulnerabilities on people's computers, mm-hmm. uh, Making it a pain in the ass for someone who paid for your product, you know, in itself is, I think, a poor way to manage that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm really glad that they've really backed off on that in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. Yeah, it does seem like as more and more backlash comes out against DRM, they're basically, they're basically backing away from it. And the funny thing is, I mean, as we've talked about in previous episodes, as more people switch over to simply streaming uh, these services, yeah. it completely takes that whole concept and throws it in the trash because you're paying simply to access the streamability of it. You're not actually having a physical copy of it ever on your machine. So right. it's it basically destroys the need for DRM. Because, yeah, I mean, if you're streaming something, you, you by, that, by that definition, you don't own it at all. You're just paying right. to, ac- to access it for a period of time. Yeah, I guess when it comes to DRM, it's, it's like you said, like, the concept isn't necessarily bad, but I feel like, you know, there's already laws in place to keep people from, you know, 
replaying music and using it to, you know, advertise themselves. Uh, for example, Trump just got in trouble because he tried to tweet a meme that had a Nickelback song in it. Oh my god. And the recording company that manages them sent Twitter a sort of uh, a takedown request, which basically uh-huh. says anywhere on your set platform that this meme that plays this song is from, you have to remove the link to. So they literally success. No, they literally got successfully got uh, got Trump's tweet completely scrubbed off Twitter. It was like the first time mm. that's ever happened. So everyone was kind of <laughs> joking, like, "Oh my God, maybe we sh- shouldn't hate Nickelback anymore." <laughs> <laughs> they did what no one could do. They they deleted a Trump tweet. But yeah, I guess I guess my point with that is just that you know there's laws already in place regarding a lot of that stuff to prevent people from doing that. So why do they need these extra uh, punitive measures uh, to keep people from doing that? You know that just end up harming or at least frustrating uh, legitimate owners of digital works and i guess it kind of calls into question you know i guess philosophically like if something is digital do you own it i I know that sounds like a stupid thing but well i mean that that's kind of i think that kind of goes back to what i was saying a minute ago is that like you're kind of paying for the for a specific license to that thing um are you are you if you're talking like more philosophically like what is digital ownership that might be yeah. might be a different discussion yeah um that might be a deep deeper discussion yeah. um but yeah i mean even if even if you have an mp3 file on your computer that is a file digital file on your computer but it's not a physical thing so yeah if that file you know let's say i don't know you have a bunch of music on your computer from through itunes and uh God forbid, uh, Apple goes belly up and all the stuff you purchased on iTunes gets, you know, deleted or is no longer playable because it's, you know, some proprietary format, mm-hmm. which I think they used to be. I think it is, it's like a dot AAC or something. And they, so they still do that. I don't know. I thought they moved away from that because people were complaining. They're like, I don't want to just be able to play this on iTunes. Uh, I, Oh, I know what they did. They, they changed their pricing format where you can buy like a, a DRM free full MP3 version of it for more money because Apple. Um, Interesting. <laughs> I don't know. I, they did that at some point. I don't know if they've changed it since then. I know they're basically trying to move towards streaming themselves anyway. So, okay. Uh, uh, with like Apple Music Plus or whatever they call it, they're basically trying to make their own uh, Spotify. But, anyways, mm-hmm. I guess the philosophical part of that question is like if you have a physical file on your computer, but that's file as a proprietary format played through a certain program and then that program company goes belly up and you can no longer play that file i mean you're kind of host you oh yeah for sure so yeah i mean i just wanted to kind of bring up like you know i get what you're saying peter that like drm by its nature isn't really bad but at the same time it kind of is (laughs) yeah it's like now that we're in this digital age it's calling into question like you know, what is digital ownership? And, yeah. you know, uh, another, I mean, I'll just bring it up briefly, but a, another tan- tangent to this is what's being called in courts right now the the right to repair. 
which is basically... Oh, I've heard about that whole thing. Yeah, it's basically an issue not just with phones, but uh, I guess I'll use phones as an example, but basically technological devices where it's like, once you buy that device, what are you allowed to do with it? I think the instance was like people were buying iPhones and then rooting them to install other operating systems, and then Apple was like, Uh, no, that's bad, you can't do that. And it basically they, especially with Apple, they, you know, in order to prevent sort of unwanted access to their devices, they purposely make it so that, like, if you, let's say, I don't know, you crack your iPhone screen and you try to repair it yourself, yeah, they can actually void your warranty if you do if you try to do that. Because they're like, oh, you're not an authorized Apple technician. It's just kind of raising that greater question of like, you know, as things become more and more technologically complicated, it seems like we actually own them less and less. And we're, you know, yeah, companies are putting more restrictions on what consumers can do with the things that they purchase. You know, I've heard that that's all uh, that's partially um, and I'm trying to remember what the term is, but um, is it is it planned obsolescence or something like that, where basically technology is made to only last a couple of years, like on purpose so that you buy it again. And I so it's something like that. No, you're um, right. But you're I right. know that like the ability or the in, or more or less the inability to repair it is kind of part of that same scheme. Mm-hmm. They restrict you so that like you will don't fix your, you know, one year old phone, buy a new one for $800. Exactly. It's, it's all, it's all not to get all conspiratorial, but it's all manipulated to discourage people from repairing a device that otherwise is perfectly functioning and encourage yeah. them to just replace the device. So yeah, that's, a, that's a whole different thing. That's a whole, that's, you know, I mean, that's you're gonna get Kami Kyle if I keep talking about that. Uh, <laughs> hashtag seize the means of production. <laughs> but um, I guess going back to what the rights of repair is, it says at least on Wikipedia, yeah. uh, it refers to government legislation that is intended to allow consumers the ability to repair and modify their own consumer electronic devices, where otherwise the manufacturer of such devices require the consumer to only use their offered services. Uh, right now, I guess this is only really kind of being debated in the U.S. and the European Union, but that's where a lot of people buy electronic uh, devices. So, And, you know, if we're trying to keep it more toward... Um, Music. DRM. Yeah. I don't know if there's a digital... Or I don't know if there's, if there's an equivalent to this for strictly digital files and such yeah um but i i think that is kind of an extension and we could have an entire episode on that if we wanted to but that is kind of an extension of the question of do you really own it uh tying it back into the drm really quickly just because i like to google things uh an article on vice uh from 2018 says in groundbreaking 2018 yeah in groundbreaking decision feds say hacking drm to fix your electronics is legal uh, it says the new exemptions are a major win for the right to repair movement, give consumers wide latitude to legally repair devices they own. Uh, so basically... What would be an example in that? Um, let me read here really quick. It allows breaking digital rights management and embedded software locks for, quote, the maintenance of a device or system in order to make it work in accordance with its original specifications. So if there's DRM 
preventing you from doing that, then from operating the device, then then that basically says that you are allowed to. Yeah, that basically says no, you can't repair this or you can't fix this software issue. Uh, then it's basically like if you hack it, then you're not at fault for fixing it. Hmm. That's uh, cool. It says anti-tampering and repair DRM implemented by manufacturers has gotten increasingly difficult to circumvent, and the decision doesn't make DRM illegal. It just makes it legal for the owner of a device to bypass it for the purpose of hmm. repair. But, hey, it's a step forward. So, yeah, I guess yeah, that, cool. that kind of ties together the DRM and the, the right to repair we were talking about. So, yay. Yay. Uh, this, yeah, this whole thing turned into a philosophical discussion about, you know, uh, ownership in the technology age so sorry um i didn't mean to get that <laughs> no deep, i think that's a logical part of this discussion though yeah i mean the, the the funny thing is this whole drm nonsense kind of at least started with this uh sony scandal back in 2006 it wasn't the first time drm was implemented but it was the first major like i guess we what you would call like pr scandal for a company regarding drm so yeah. it wouldn't be the last so well, and uh, the interesting th- thing about that too is that it wasn't strictly about DRM as much as it was about DRM was the piece of it that included like the hacking shits, which yeah, they, like if that if stuff like that never happened, yeah, I wonder if DRM would still be have a stronger hold on things today. Yeah. Or at least on music. But that's the, that that was kind of the question too. The original point of their DRM, or I shouldn't say original point, but the attempted point was that it would scan your computer. And if you tried to open any program that rips CDs or has that option, it would force quit that program. And it's like, I don't, even if there was DRM on a thing, I wouldn't want the DRM to be that draconian, you know? Yeah. I would, exactly. want, I would want it to just say, hey, you can't rip this. You know, not like, oh, no, I'm going to completely shut down any program you try to use. That's, yeah, that's going too far. So that combined that combined with the basically malware that was installed with it, you know, it's like they were doing all this super shady shit <laughs> under the guise of, oh, we're, if we're just trying to protect digital rights. Right. Well, their digital rights, not your own exactly yeah that's what they that's that's what a lot of anti-digital rights people say is they should call it digital restriction management because it's not really even about protecting the rights of the artists it's about protecting the rights of the uh the original music owners be it the record labels or what the ones uh publishing the content yeah so so yeah um that has been uh kyle's philosophical digital corner cool yeah i guess listeners let us know if you stumbled upon this issue if you had any uh sony cds from back in 2006 that did this to your computer if you even know that it did and what you guys think i guess about you know the state of digital rights management right now if it's necessary or not um you can chat with us on our facebook page at facebook.com slash get your funk we're so lonely. Please talk to us. Um, as God knows we're not going to talk to each other. Exactly. We never talk to each other. And we also have this episode as well as all of our previous episodes on getyourfunk.com. 
Um, you can also find us on SoundCloud and Google Play. Yes. And iTunes, ironically. And we're, oh, we're, we're back on iTunes. Yeah. Yeah, we've been back on iTunes for a while. Oh, sweet. Um, okay. I think I basically just restarted the whole RSS feed from scratch, and it seemed to work. It's now po- uh, it's now powered by the spinning grave of Steve Jobs. Uh, yeah, sweet. Pretty much. Um, cool. So yeah, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, uh, getyourfunk.com. Um, yeah, I hope this has been. I mean, it's kind of nerdy tech shit, but I hope this has been enjoyable for you, the listener. Um, yeah, this was interesting. I, I never knew about this, um, but it's uh, it's pretty interesting and. I'm wondering if there were other um, DRM like law uh, lawsuits Scandals. or cases. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure if I I'm di- sure there were. I'm sure if I dig into it more, I'm, uh, there's probably other instances. It's just that this is the one that happened to come up first and have it's a, a lot one, of yeah. have a lot of info on it. So, well, and I imagine like I probably like I already said, but like if there wasn't all this backlash from consumers and everything was just fine. the DRM state of things could very well be the same today as it was, you know, uh, 15 years ago. If not worse. Uh, Yeah, very good point. Yeah. So, speak out if you think something is bad, listeners. If you see something, Um, say something. Even if it's our show, tell us on Facebook. (laughs) Um, The the collective voice of the people will control the means of production. (laughs) Call me Peter. So yeah, uh, this has been yeah. your host, Kyle. And this has been your host, Peter. I'm going to end the episode with one tiny fun fact. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about Mr. T's commandments <laughs> earlier. Okay. <laughs> I looked it up. That was So that at the time, I think that was 1984-ish, um, that was released by Columbia Records, which a few years later became part of Sony Music Entertainment. I don't know if it was ever released on CD, as in our <laughs> example, um, but if it was, it would have been on a Sony CD. Nice. So, so Mr. T could have invaded your computer. Yes. Terrible. Um, and if you don't know what we're talking about, listeners, go to getyourfunk.com and you'll find it. Yep. Um, but we will leave you with that mysterious ending. Okay. Uh, until next time. Bye. Bye.